What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that help us out every single week, like our good friends over at Duke Tick Brand. Shout out to Tiff, Adelaide, and Bobby. They've got the greatest coaching accessories you could ever think of. You're, you're seeing them all over the internet right now. Everybody's getting Dutik Brand. And you get to get Dutik Brand too by visiting dutikbrand.com for these great coaching notebooks. They've got pins. They've got shirts, hoodies, uh, beanies, and the neck scarf. I'm not going to forget about the neck scarf. Yes, I went on all last winter about them. Uh, but the neck scarves, they're going to be in once it gets cold again. You can get all that over at dutikbrand.com and make sure to use the promo code SOCCERCHAT to get yourself a sweet discount and that lets them know that you're listening to the show. Our friends over at Torex, every week we normally have some type of like uh, real life testimony about uh, the Torex ball pump, T-O-R-R-X.com. And I finally have been able to introduce it to my team. And at first they gave me such weird looks of like, what is that thing? I was like, it's a ball pump. And I'm using it, and they're like, how does it work? I explain it to them, and they're all very intelligent players, uh, students. And they were just baffled to where after probably about like the fourth ball that I aired up, they were like, can we try that? And I was like, yeah. And then they did it. And then there was like fighting over who got to do it next. Uh, So Torex, everything that we've told you all about the Torex ball pump, from my my university team, we can tell you that it is all true. The players love it. They actually want to air the balls up now uh, because of the Torx. And you're going to want one too going over to Torx, T-O-R-R-X dot com. He's Nick. I'm Sean. This is a listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. Every single week, you can share the links out to help us out or join the conversation on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I almost said Central Time. Eastern Time, 9.30 on Wednesday nights just by following the hashtag Soccer Chat. Nick, it, um, you probably can hear, and those who are listening probably can hear, I took the Corona test uh, this week and still have not gotten any uh, confirmation uh, or denial uh, that I, I had the crony. And it's not that I was exposed to someone. I need to paraphrase that because I, I posted online that uh, I, I took a, a COVID test and I didn't state that I had to because it, requ- it was required for athletics. And I got the mom text. Uh, mom responded to my post and then started sending me, you know, 21 questions uh, afterwards. So I do have to clarify, I got it just because of a uh, requirement for our athletics programs. Um, and I feel sick now, now not like Corona or anything like that, but like it messed my allergies up, my players it messed their allergies up. Uh, and so I sound like absolute crap right now. I feel like I sound really nasally. I, I did not notice, but I, I can't imagine that I was super comfortable to do that. So um, I, I, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're here. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just very glad that you were able to make it after all that. I mean, there was a 25-second period I thought I was going to die. Like, like they I were mean, going to. It, it looks was, painful. I've seen, it, I've seen it administered before, and it doesn't look super fun. So what I'll say is uh, apparently there's – obviously there's multiple ways to do the test. And there is the big, uh, long, little wooden thing that they use, uh, swab – where you know, it's the whole tickle the brain thing. Apparently there's one that's a little bit smaller than that. And that's the one that uh, we had. And uh, I, I was explaining this to, to somebody earlier. Um, you know, in my situation, I was watching not only my players, but I was watching other sports uh, step up to get theirs. And so I don't know about you, Nick, but when I like, you know, when you're getting a shot or something like this, 
uh, you watch who's administering it and like which person you want the most. Uh, Cause you normally can find somebody who, who will do it the way that is, is good for you. And so, uh, you know, I noticed that of, of all the uh, test administrators, uh, medical personnel, I noticed that there was one lady who was, all of them were super nice. Don't get me wrong. All of them were super nice, but there was one lady who was very quick with it. Uh, just really like, and it was in and out done. Uh, and I kept saying to myself, okay, like that's who I want to get. Um, when it was my turn, finally, uh, she was my comforter uh, because uh, I did make it well known. Like I have to hold my daughter's hand to get a flu shot. Uh, I, I'll gladly admit that. And uh, when she put the heart monitor thing on my finger, she was like, are you nervous? I was like, yeah, just a little bit. And she was like, this number tells me that you're crazy nervous. I was like, yeah, I'm like crazy nervous about it. So as they go to um, put the swab in my nose, out of the corner of my eye, I can see my players coming in the gym to watch. And I pulled back and was like, no, no, no. Y'all got to go outside. Not happening. Um, and so I think they like went to the edge of the door and then uh, they told me, you know, take a deep breath, blow out your nose on, on the count of three and, you know, just keep blowing the air out. And I was like, okay. And uh, on two, the lady shoved the swab in my nose and I thought I was going to like throw up. And here we are today. Here we are. I'm glad you're alive. Hopefully your test comes back with a good result and everything continues as usual. Well, and a part of it, I mean, so we've had, if, if anybody's been in the Midwest, we're getting like the after effects of the hurricane. So it's like, we literally have 90 degrees sunshine and the next day it's 75 and crazy storm and rain, 90 degrees of sun the next day, 70 degrees and storm. Like it's been like that off and on. Uh, and ma majority of my allergies do come from weather change. Our whole house has been crazy stopped up for this whole week. So I'm like, I'm just now getting what everyone else has already had. And my wife was like, you've got the Corona. Like, no, I don't. No, I don't. But there is that fear like, oh, well, what if I do? And I just didn't know it. No, that I mean, it's, it's, it's mean, again, you can get it anytime, anywhere. It's, it's unfortunate right now. You just have no idea for sure. Yeah. And uh, so we're getting through, getting through. Um, you know, with uh, with seasons and whatnot, I, I, I've I've kind of told people like with ours, we're still playing in the fall, and we're we're going to attempt to play uh, with 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 our schedule and, and what we've got, and um, it does seem like there are battles that we're fighting every day to make that happen, uh, and not just like little battles. I mean, we're fighting big battles in order to to make this work, and and every day, Nick, I want you to know how envious I am of you all who like know you can just practice right now. And then like, you know, play your games in, in the spring and, and kind of get back to normal um, rather than like knowing you're going to practice. And like for me, I'll go to a training session and I will think of myself like, what if something happens tomorrow and our season's done? Yeah. Like here we are trying to get ready just to get cut off. And I am, I'm very jealous uh, of all of my friends who are either doing a hybrid season or playing in the spring. I, I am so jealous of all of you. No, I mean, honestly, I, I, it was one of those things that once it finally happened, again, it wasn't great news, but I think it was easier because it was finite where you're just, okay, we are practicing to practice right now and we don't have to worry about are we going to play in the fall or are we not going to play in the fall? It just, it definitely gave it some good closure because you were able to just 
change the mentality of your players where, hey, we're, we're not going to play games right now. Let's just enjoy being back together, enjoy being back on campus, and then we'll hopefully get the opportunity to play in the spring. So, yeah, no way. I definitely I feel like we're I, pretty lucky to have had that happen back in late July, early August, because I think it just made it easier for everyone to just be able to switch their mentality for sure. Yeah. And a lot of us are um, trying to, you know, we're, we're training like we're going to go for it, but we're also trying to prepare ourselves of if that does get, um, does get shut down. But uh, we got a really cool uh, show this week for you all. Um, you know, and we kind of mentioned last week, um, you know, with everything that had, that had went on uh, up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, obviously that's still on our minds and, uh, you know, we want to uh, continue giving our, 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 our actions and our thoughts and our prayers and, and just everything that we can do uh, for all those who are, who are affected by that, um, you know, and we're going to try to get back to, to normalcy uh, as much as possible. And I think for our show, that's kind of one the thing that I love is that, you know, we'll bring the awareness and we, we let it set in on the things that are going on or, or topics and, and whatnot. But then we do try to get back to that normal conversation. And I, I mentioned this to Nick uh, after we got done with the interview, I don't know if there was a better return to normalcy conversation that we could have had uh, than with our guests this week. And I'm so excited. Uh, we have all been in the same room before. And we never said a word to each other. I don't know if that makes us jerks or that's just like how life can be at sometimes. I mean, she um, was the one that misses now. Like, don't get us wrong. Like, yeah. This yeah. guest, like, I, she regrets her decision to go back and coach her team. She, she, she wishes she would have hung out with us for a little bit. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, and it's not like we're hard to find. Yeah. We're normally talking to everybody. You can come up and say hi to us. But we've got a great, great interview uh coming up this week and uh you know when you get done listening to it let us know what you think uh join the conversation every single wednesday night 9 30 p.m eastern time on twitter just follow the hashtag soccer chat or always just shoot us up on the this, don't shoot us up hit us up on twitter what am i, I this it's the man that test is messing with my brain <laughs> i have been i've been struggling all day um but you know hit us up on twitter uh nick if somebody wants to reach out to you how can they do so at coach and rizzo what about you Billy? and mine is at coach Sonny. great interview and it's all coming up right after this know yourself know your worth my actions being louder than my words i you so i've been still so down to earth won't do it we can do it on a turf oh lord i'm the rookie in the vet Shout out to the b****s I holding down the set All up in my phone looking at pictures from the other night She gon' be upset if she keeps scrolling to the left, dog. She gon' see some that she don't wanna see She ain't ready for it If I ain't the greatest, then I'm headed for it Yeah, that mean I'm way up Yeah, the six ain't friendly, but that's where I lay up I been Steph Curry with the shot Been cooking with the sauce Chef Curry with the pot, boy 360 with the wrist, Every week, illustrious guests. And before we actually start recording, uh, Nick kind of was leading the conversation as we normally do a little small talk, uh, kind of get the, get the juice flow. It's kind of like the dynamic warm up. We're getting the blood flowing, the muscles worked up uh, before we go play a game. 
and uh, it, it dawned upon us that uh, all of us who are in this call right now was in the same room uh, back in February and made no connection whatsoever. So shame on me, shame on Nick, and shame on you, Tracy. Shame on you as well. Uh, we all deserve better from each other in this. And I make a vow that uh, every time that I see you from here on out, I will make a point to say hello and connect with you. Looking forward to that. I'm bummed. It sounds like I missed out on the one opportunity I've had so far to hang out with you guys. So. Well, and that's the thing that will drive you now so when you find out that we're going to be somewhere to want to stick around rather than head back for a spring game. I mean, my gosh, you probably got a huge staff that could have covered the game for you. Yeah, totally. Women's right. soccer and their huge staffs. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we have with us Tracy Ham. Uh, the head coach at UC Davis uh, with their women's program. Uh, so, you know, welcome to Soccer Chat and kind of to, to know like where we're going to go with this. We got to know how you got to UC Davis. Like, tell us the, the you know, if you got to go back all the way to the U6 playing days um, and, and you, if you want to brag about that, which, you know, people can't see this, but we're just going to brag. Like, you've got the headset, like you look more for this than we've ever looked. And uh, or possibly going to take a flight and be the pilot. Like yeah. it, it, one of those two things you're prepared for right so now. You, so you may be like leading the, the, the plane on this one. But, you know, just kind of for, for everybody who's listening, you know, how did you get to this point now? So like from the plane days to when you decided that coaching is what you want to do and then how you got to UC Davis. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess I peaked when I was six. So we can talk about that. But uh, I feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, uh, I obviously, I just had a great like playing experience and, you know, from high school through college and played in the, the WPS for two years. And, um, after the WPS folded or actually the second season, the, the owner of the Atlanta beat kind of told us that the league might fold. Um, and at that point I'd had three knee surgeries and kind of felt like, uh, I had missed I was missing coaching um, and I didn't really have the same drive as a, as a player anymore. And I started thinking about the game in a much different way. I'd been co the assistant coach at Cal um, the year prior and I'd been a technical director for my club for seven years and had been coaching club soccer for a long time at that point. And I just, while I was playing my, my last season, I just felt like, I should be on the sideline, like dictating things or, you know, it, it was different. Like I couldn't, I couldn't play the way that I wanted to play from a physical standpoint. And that was always my biggest strength as a player um, was just like that competitive drive and my ability to just be kind of stronger and faster and like that going to tackles, like very fearless. And I didn't have that anymore and yeah. it just wasn't as fun. Right. Um, and then I also Father was times like, times undefeated. That's very true. Um, and I also, I, I don't want to say like, I never questioned like coaches' decisions, but I was oh, also please. starting. Please, you can question <laughs> any coach's decision on this especially show. That's, that's... If especially if your coach is me or Sean, question all of the decisions. That's very true. <laughs> that's fair. Well, I, I started to wonder why we were doing things the way that we were doing uh, them. And so and I never really like conceptually thought about it. I obviously like disagreed with things earlier in my career, but I actually started to like come up with solutions in my head. I'm like, well, why that player is playing the 10, they should be playing the seven. Why are we playing this formation? He should be looking at playing a box midfield, you know, different things like to actually provide solutions rather than just complain um, <laughs> and coach. Yeah. And so 
uh, when I knew the league was going to fold, I applied to grad school at Boston University, and I ended up, um, you know, getting my master's in sports psychology. And I thought I wanted to be a sports psychologist because I had a really good kind of grasp on the mental side of the game. That was again like one of my strengths is just being able to compete and overcome adversity. And um, once I got my my master's, and I kind of started some of the clinical hours to, you know pursue a doctorate and, and be a sports psychologist, I realized that um, I don't really like listening to people's feelings that much. Um, uh, like You're on a time. great show then. <laughs> okay, good. I'm like, can you just like go play harder? It sounds like that's a personal problem. Like get back on the field, do more. And they're like, maybe this isn't the right how does, path. How does someone who doesn't really like care about feelings say like, I want to be a psychologist? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's and a great why question. did it take you getting the master's to go, this is what I want to do. But I think it was like sitting in rooms, and like listening to like players talk. And, you know, obviously the mental side of the game is like really important and the tools and like the education thing, you know, piece I learned. I definitely apply it as a coach now because a lot of it was more like developing a coaching philosophy and understanding you have to coach everybody different and um, players learn in different ways. You know, they're like more conceptual things that I've kind of taken with me rather than practical sitting across a table or on a couch and asking how people feel. Um, I felt like I was going to be way more effective imparting my thoughts and my education on them on the field. And I also just miss being a part of a team. I miss being on the field and active and, you know, you know, just crushing long balls before training and going out and messing around with the ball and doing those things. And uh, so once I got my master's, I, when I moved back to California, um, I got the head coaching job at Santa Rosa Junior College, which I didn't know anything about JC soccer at all in California, um, but it was a master's required position. So I was like, yay, I have one of those. Um, you know, and it was actually a full-time teaching position too. So I had to teach like strength training and um, yeah, like weights and conditioning. And I was like, well, I'm like fitness guru. I love this stuff. So um, it kind of worked out and Santa Rosa is beautiful. It's in wine country. Um, and it was, you know, points shock, shockingly enough, it's actually a very decent paying job. It's probably, I feel like most JC coaches in California that are full-time make more than division one coaches, which is yeah. shocking, but I was like, this is great. Um, and so when I went to Santa Rosa, um, you know, I kind of just jumped back into coaching, having taken, you know, a couple years off and, uh, Santa Rosa was probably like the best thing I've ever done for myself professionally, um, working with those women, everybody was from such a different background and it was such an eclectic group and everyone, it, it taught me a lot of patience because I'd come from obviously really competitive environments and around players that were super high performing, really demanding high expectations. Um, and there were certainly those players sprinkled in at Santa Rosa, but most of them, you know, some of them brought their kids or they were the first in their generation to go to college or uh, they didn't really have families that were supporting, you know, them or they were working full time and trying to go to school. And there's, you know, different demographics and all sorts of different kind of situations and reasons why we're there. So it was great for me as a young coach to try to understand how to collectively get everybody to perform on the same page and have that same buy-in, even though they're all there for different reasons. Um, so after Santa Rosa, I had some success there. Uh, the San Francisco State coach or athletic director that was such a humble brag i had some success there <laughs> like i don't want to divulge but we did a lot of awesome we did, things we did good stuff. I, I, in my research I, I saw the record and the record was good 
it, it, it was a very good record. So good. So we can confirm good stuff happened. We can confirm. In my research, we we found a good record at, at awesome. she, what she just said is uh, fact checked. Snopes. We 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 operate off Snopes here, and that, so that's uh, <laughs> that's probably the humblest of humble brags I've ever heard <laughs> on the show. I love okay. it though. All right. I'm like, I get awkward when people, yeah. I'm like, we're good. Just, okay. Oh, welcome to the awkward. I also, <laughs> I also love when we have people like of your caliber, like of coaching us show because you're so well-spoken. You just, you know, we give you a thing and it's just like, it's an off the cuff answer, but it sounds like you wrote this down and are staring at a screen with the answer. It's phenomenal. So what you don't see, she has a pen in her hand. She totally wrote this answer down. Like, <laughs> oh, I must talk about myself. <laughs> Here we go. My notebook's empty. <laughs> it's for show. It looks like it's all for show. I'm just pretending. Um, no, and so the athletic director at San Francisco State reached out and he, you know, was like, I kind of keep hearing your name pop up and, um, you know, can you just come down and like, let's talk soccer. I just want to get some feedback on coaches in the area and what your thoughts are. And, um, you know, he's like, I know that you're from the Bay Area. Love to just talk with you. And so when I went, I was like, yeah, no problem. So I, I went down and, um, met with him and it kind of turned into like an informal interview and he was asking all these like serious questions like well, what would you do this budget what's your budget like there and oh you really you have like five dollars to work with well great we only have eight dollars so like perfect <laughs> let's make this work you know um and it was just uh I, I really enjoyed being there um the athletic director was awesome and he you know actually did a formal formal interview um and he offered me the job and i took over san francisco state uh from jack hyde who'd been there for i think 32 years um, and he started the program, great ambassador for women's soccer in the Bay Area, um, just a great guy. And, you know, they wanted something just like kind of different than the direction that it had been going. And I am someone, you know, I was, I was fairly young when I got hired there. I think I was 30. Um, and it was so fun. I, I had the best time um, just like meeting meeting all the new players and uh, being back in the NCAA was awesome. And I just had like such a chip on my shoulder, something to prove. And, um, you know, here I am like come in super cocky, like I'm going to win a national championship my first year. Like who doesn't, who doesn't want to live in San Francisco, like the best city in the world. And, you know, I can, I can do this. And, uh, we did not win a national championship <laughs> my first year. Uh, yeah, but it was, uh, I definitely made my team think we were going to, so that's a win. I thought yeah, I was That's a part to. of it. You got to make them think, you got to make them believe that. For sure. And so uh, my time at San Francisco State was really similar to um, how, you know, I was at the JC also. It was definitely a different group of individuals. And I actually kind of made a JC all-star team my first year. Um, I brought in, I think, 14 junior college players because I obviously was coming from that. And I took all the best players in California from JCs. And I was like, let's go. And really, because I needed, I felt like I needed, you know, women's soccer, we recruit two to three years out. And I felt like I needed to give myself that two-year buffer, um, you know, to win with players that had already, you know, were used to playing 90 minutes, 20 hours, you know, 20 games a year. So they had a lot of experience. Um, They're coming from really great programs. And we, again, we did pretty well. Um, and then we're able to kind of buy some time to get some of those top, you know, recruits in two years out. Um, and then did well with those new kids coming in for the next two. And then I got a call from the AD at UC Davis and um, went up and interviewed there. And that's why I'm there now. How cool, so. how cool is it? Like, what's it like just to get randomly called up from AD? <laughs> I mean, well, that actually, happened to me and Sean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 
That is actually funny because so when he called me, I was at my um, Cal Soccer Alumni Weekend, which for some people that I'm sure are listening, like we have like fairly like infamous women's soccer alumni games. We have like over 300 people show up and it is like, it used to be a little bit gnarly. We had like kegs on the field and it was like a big- Sign me up. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, It still is a good time, but um, that particular weekend um, was when my documentary had come out. And so it was like, they were doing like this film festival the night before. And then I was actually inducting one of the, the producer of my film into our hall of fame. So I was like writing a speech and playing in the game. So I had all these different things going on and I had a missed call from a Davis number, like several. And I was like, I, whatever, I thought it was a recruit. And I was like, I'll call you back. Like when I'm like, back to normal, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I checked my voicemail the next morning and on Sunday and was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like panicking that he called me and I was like, I look so irresponsible. I didn't call you back. So I called him back immediately. And um, yeah, and he, we had a great phone interview and then ended up going to campus and I fell in love with the campus, just like kind of gave me butterflies. And it's a, it's a program that I feel like, you know, can be a powerhouse someday and um, it's going to take some time. I did not claim that I was going to win a national championship. My first. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I'm like, <laughs> hopefully I mature through this process. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it was great. I'm so happy. I love it there. So no. being, being a Bay Area person, who's the best Bay Area rapper ever? Best Bay Area rapper? Oh, gosh. I mean, too short or Andre Nicotina, Dre Dogs are my faves. Okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah, you're not on board. Who do you got, Mac Dre? I so I'm I'm a I'm a massive E40 fan. Eve, oh, I mean, yeah. For me, for I just for me, like when I think of Bay Area hip hop, I I don't know why. I just I think of just like his style, and I'm like, that's that's I'm, the Bay. He's the hyphy. He's hyphy movement. Hyphy I mean, movement. All I'm all about it. it. Yeah. For I'm sure. slowly getting into G Easy. I'm like I'm I'm not understanding it, but I'm I'm kind of there. I'm like too old for Jeezy, I think, but I like his music. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I'm I, I, like, I like the 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 R and B that's coming out of it. Like Kehlani is just a yeah. Dream. She's so good. She's so I, talented. I found myself this morning. Um, I was taking my son to school, and on my way to uh to work, and I do, I wish I could remember the song that came on the radio. It was just crazy hype, crazy loud, lots of mumbling. And I said, you know, I like, don't get me wrong. I love hip hop. It's way too early for this crap. <laughs> and I put on K-Love uh, and, and went back to, went back to the normal. I was like, the kids got out of the car. So I turned the station and that lasted one song. And I was like, nah, nope, not doing this today. Um, so, you, you know, you mentioned the, the, the Cal all-star alumni game. Um, and, you know, we've heard of the, you know, the various players who have come through there and you mentioned like, it's just a fun atmosphere. It's like, very competitive. You know, what's it like? Cause obviously Nick and I don't under, don't know um, playing in that game. I mean, cause there's some like absolute legends uh, who, who are part of that. So like, what's it like, are you getting yourself hyped up for a game just like you were, uh, you know, in college? Oh yeah. I mean, we throw down, like it's no joke. Yeah. When the it, phrase it's... we throw down is used, you know, it's like, over the top well and then there's also like the element of like costumes that are worn and so every class kind of brings their own flavor like you know the older we get like classes kind of seem to like combine 
Um, but there's, there's always themes um, that somehow arise. And so there'll be, there's the ladies from the 80s. The play, you know, enough uh, Leslie Gallimore, which I saw was on your your podcast. Not shouts to homie Leslie. Yeah, uh, she is one of the ladies from the '80s, and so we always we actually do a seven aside tournament, and so they pair them with the current players so that you know, yeah, they have a chance. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I'm we're clipping shots this fired, and we're shots it to fired. everyone. Yes. Boop, 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 boop. Does, does yeah. Alex Morgan make it back for the uh, alumni tournament? She has been there since she graduated, which, oh gosh, how long ago did she graduate? Like 10 years ago. Yeah. I think she's been there uh, like a handful of times. Well, kind of what happened, we actually had like a period of time where we didn't have an alumni game. Um, there was Because it got like, too hiatus. real. It got a little real, yeah. So there's a <laughs> oh, new AD. Oh, I was no, just saying real. that. Oh, no, no. The, AD, <laughs> the new AD was like, we need to like settle. <laughs> we were like okay we were like in trouble we're like okay i guess i don't so, even go to school here anymore yeah is this exactly like a, she doesn't is this even like go a parking here ticket when i don't yeah. even go here anymore <laughs> i know yeah so we had a little to um which is fine you know because then we came back stronger and better than ever like we should so um go. good rebound and uh no so there was a couple years there where you know she didn't come back but she always sends like a video and does something cool um if she can't make it but most of the other like pro players come back, like Ari Ships come back, and Sam Whitteman comes back. Like Joy Fawcett's been back for a lot of them. Um, I love Joy. Just yeah, such a smooth PK back in '99. Like, and she just like looked like it wasn't a big deal at all. Like yeah. she was, she's pretty special. She's a um, boss. Y'all need to send Alex Morgan a video of like everybody there. Be like, yo, you wild pansy, get out here next year. <laughs> we do. Some people, we definitely, you know. I can't, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thing. I have, like definitely a mouth sometimes. I was going to say shit like three times and I can say <laughs> shit, shit. Shit is acceptable. Be, he's like, you do not need to be professional on the show. <laughs> we, ha we, have, we have like a list of words that we're like, yeah, these are cool. Shit is one of them. I didn't really know if like kids are, I don't know, whatever. Okay. They'll probably think you're a lot cooler if they hear you say it. Yeah. Uh, carry on. I was, I was hoping to get some like recruiting points by like dropping too short. So like maybe yeah, no, you will. Helps, you'll so. still. You'll still get. I will make sure that in the, uh, um, in like the info, it'll be like too short, loving, Tracy Ham. Yeah, and, that's, that is. That's. I mean, that's. But factual. here's the question: Do kids even know who Too Short is? Yes, he's still I relevant. Think I think he's in his fifties, but he's still okay, relevant. Maybe, maybe in California, but in the Midwest, I know for no. a fact. If I go to my players right now, they're not going to know who it is. They they might know MC Hammer is. He was Bay Area, wasn't he? Yeah, he was Fremont. California. He was yeah. from Fremont. He yeah. was Oakland. I don't know. I just remember he moved to Fremont and then went bankrupt. But I saw his yeah. house a couple of times. That's yeah. That's, that's where, like we drive by, like oh, that's MC Hammer's house. This is my yeah. first ever concert. Yeah, that's uh, oh. that's what uh, that's what celebrity rehabs for, you know, to get people out of this. Don't you sure. dare disrespect MC Hammer like that. <laughs> I love MC Hammer. I only know like three of his songs. Nick Nick has Nick has uh, many pairs of MC Hammer pants, according to David Copeland Smith. Yeah, no, he makes fun of me. If you are, have you ever met Beast Mode before? I have not, but I definitely like follow him on Twitter and all the things. So every time he sees me at conventions, because I wear these really baggy sweatpants, he just comes by. It's like, oh, MC Hammer again. It's like he's. He's a great guy, but he's kind of an asshole at times. Um, Nick, Nick, do you own any other pants? <laughs> oh, okay. There are a couple of coaches like that that I'm like, bro, like you guys have like a stipend. Go get stuff. <laughs> like I know you have a stipend. I'm always you a fan of uh, 
when coaches will wear like the player socks like all the way up to their knees and it's like yo i'll get you some tube socks my guy or so like cruise like you don't need to be wearing soccer socks as a coach like, do you guys wear guard. cleats do you guys wear cleats i always wear cleats during training but do you wear cleats to games no i don't even I wear cleats to. in training my my barefoot skills with the soccer ball are phenomenal yeah That's nick like- goes all brazilian about it i don't know how <laughs> i feel about that <laughs> yeah, I still play a lot with the players, so I like kind of have to jump in and, you know, sometimes I'm like if they're not heading balls like off crossing and finishing, I'm like, "Oh, you won't head that ball." Like wait till I start ripping them at you. So then it's like punishment, but If I know I swear I'm not I'm, abusive, coaches. I just <laughs> say. I know Disclaimer. that if, if I'm going to like if there's stuff I know for a fact I'm going to have to like demonstrate it or like mm-hmm. I want to put a show on, the boots come out of the trunk. Okay. Um, but for the most part, I <laughs> show. Yeah, you know. So I had I had the first instance with my players where I looked awesome, uh, and I Nick I forgot to tell you this. So we were ha- we had a small group session on Tuesday, and uh, my group was we were doing beast mode, and then we were going to do some uh, shooting stuff afterwards. And uh, while they were doing beast mode, I looked at one of my players, added ball in, I was like, crossbar, and she was like, what do you think? I was like, absolutely, and she was like, okay, try it, and I was like, all right, I was probably like. 25 30 30 out and just ping the crossbar Sh- on the inside of me was losing my mind because <laughs> i was like i can't believe i just did that and on the outside i was like what i tell you and then so all the girls were like oh my gosh like he's really good i was like right and they're like can you do yeah. it again i was like no i can't jc 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 pride jc all american over there who me yeah, you. I didn't even get close to being a JC all right. I was just a JC. Dude, we can lie on the show. Snopes <laughs> fact, not actually check the facts that we threw out here. Um, it, like even even with my stats, people still don't think that they actually happen. So like, I don't <laughs> care. Uh, but no, that, one thing I did want to get into is I, I we're going to actually ask like soccer questions. Yeah, no, every once in a while, just like once every twelve minutes. Um, but I did want to get into your documentary because I when I was doing my research earlier. It's an incredibly interesting story. I got on the email list so I could actually watch it when it comes out. Um, but there, we will we'll actually, we'll share that for the people when we, uh, when we post this episode and stuff. But talk about that story because I think that it, you kind of like, I think you, we, you talked about it a little bit, but it was in the middle of your coaching journey. I think it was, I think it was what, 2013-ish? No, it was last year. I just got it last year. When, when, when the rejection from the C license happened, was it? It was 2015. Okay. So yeah. Like talk about that. What, what was that? What was the motivation and what happened like based off all that? Because it's a really cool story. And just again, like we've talked about the amount of USFFA licenses that females have in the country is almost non-existent. And to have a person like you that's paving the way for young females is incredible. Can you talk about, if you feel okay, like, can you talk about like that journey a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So basically what happened was, um, in, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Um, I had applied to, I'd had, I'd done my D and my, or sorry, my E and my F license when I was like 19 or 20, you know, and I'd done the NSCA national diploma in 2009. Um, and so when I got hired at San Francisco state, uh, I, I realized that I might, be a head coach, like, you know, moving forward and who am I going to learn from? I'm not going to be mentored anymore. I'll probably, you know, like how, where am I going to get better? Um, you know, I can watch videos and do things, but my, I 
something that I only been in assistance for one year before my first head coaching job. Um, and I just felt like I needed more information. I wanted more information and I wanted to get better. And so, you know, you do the licensing. Uh, so I applied to be waived into the C license. So all I wanted to do is skip the D um, mainly because at that point it was still like a state D and, you know, the E and the F was like so remedial, you know, it was just kind of, there's parents that had never played before. And I just, I'd finished, you know, I'd played pro for two years at that point. I'd been, I'd coached college at that point. I'd been a technical director for six years or seven years, you know, so there's all these like, my experience was definitely above and beyond what it needed to be. So anyway, I applied to wave into the C license and U.S. soccer came back and said that I didn't fit the waiver requirements because I had to have played three years professionally and I'd only played two, um, which for me, I thought was bullshit because the, when I graduated college in 2006, the pro league didn't start until 2009. So there was three years where I couldn't have played professionally. Like, where'd you want me to go? And I was playing in the WPSL, which was full of, you know, players from Wusa, like the defunct pro league. So my team was like Leslie Osborne, Brandy Chastain, you know, CC, you know, all these that alone but, should have got you a waiver. Well, right. right. And so I'm playing with all these pro players. Like we're professional. We're just not getting paid, you know, but like every single pro player is playing in this league. And, you know, so I was like, well, this was the only league that was available as the highest league. And so I thought that my, you know, whatever five years playing in that would allow me to get into the, the sea. And so they said no. And so, you know, I was kind of discouraged, but I'm not really good at hearing no. I'm like, great. Well, I'm going to find a way to do this anyway. And so I started kind of looking abroad because I didn't, I thought that getting a license was like very American. I didn't realize that like everywhere in the world required licenses. I thought that was just something like where like you have to have a license to coach soccer, you know? Okay. And so uh, I saw, you know, I had to go to an English speaking country and I saw that, you know, there's a lot of different licenses all over, but they didn't have any residential courses because everything's so close, Right. Um, so, you know, in Wales, it was like over a couple different weekends, you'd get your C license. It wasn't like a eight days, like we do it here, you know, where you fly and you stay in the dorms. And so I did, I took about a year of research and I kind of kept checking and seeing what was going on. Cause some, some of my friends had I heard of like the Irish, you know, FA doing it in Scotland. And so, um, I looked, but I didn't live on the East coast and the people that had it were on the East coast. And so anyway, long story, I looked at, um, I found this one in Wales, the Welsh FA, and it was only for pro players to apply. And I was, you know, and it was for the, you did your C certificate for the first four days and then you did your B license for like the next seven. Um, and so I didn't really think that, um, you know, I, I would get in because I, if my own country didn't recognize my pro playing experience, like why would a European country who's like profoundly better? Um, but I applied anyway, and I, I got in, which was terrifying because, I mean, like, I had to go, right? I put myself out there, like, let's make it happen. So um, I went, and I flew to Wales, and I don't know what I was doing. I stayed in a hostel in Dublin, Ireland the first night because I only had, like, a 12-hour layover. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what I was doing. It was wild. Um, anyway, I was not wild, but I saw wild things. So, anyway, I was, like, very serious. So, finally, I make it to Wales, and um, it was – I walked in, and 
it's in the national training center there, which is beautiful. And you stay in like a beautiful Marriott and all the food is like catered. It's not like the dorms and you're sharing a room with like two other people, how we do our license here. And you get like this, like, it's like kit, like all the, you know, players get on like the first day of preseason. Like that's what you get when you go and you have like, everyone's wearing the same thing. It's so professional. It's just, it's amazing. So I'm already like so intimidated. This is like not what I was thinking. This is not casual. You know, we're going to like, I'll go to the bar later. And so I show into the National Training Center and they have like circle tables and you have to like find your name tag. And as I'm walking in the room, I'm like looking for my name and I just like the first name that I see is Peter Crouch and I'm like, abort mission. Like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, I'm like, wait, like Peter Crouch, you know? And so, and I'm like sitting in the corner of the room. I finally find my table and everyone, like people start coming in, you know, and they start like growing out and people keep like looking at me and I'm like, obviously like nobody knows me. Okay. So you have to go around the room and introduce yourself. And I'm like horrified. I'm one of the last people to go. And of course, everybody's like waiting for like the one girl in the room to like stand up. And one other girl comes in and I'm like, we are going to be best friends. Like we definitely communicate that. <laughs> we're like, here, we're right here, right Like now. we're dialed, like do not leave me. And so it gets to me and I stand up and I'm like, just so embarrassing. Like Tracy, like get your shit together. I'm like, hi, my name is Tracy. I'm from California. I'm American. Like clearly, yeah. like, very, very clearly. Yeah, with the blonde hair, like oh for sure. It's in the summer. I'm like super tan. I'm like oh my god. But I then I was like I don't know why I just said that. Like clearly I'm from America. This is terrible. Um. Anyway, we're just reiterating that California is in America. It just like got so nervous. It was like I don't know why. But did that like add value or something? Like why did I say that? (laughs) Anyway, um, it turned out to be amazing. So. It was the best thing I've ever done. So I get I get my UEFA B um, over the course of the week, and then once I got my UEFA B, I reapplied to US Soccer, and they let me skip the D and the C all together with my foreign license and get go straight into the US B license. So I had to leave the country to take skip the license I wanted to take. It was very interesting. Makes um, no sense. It makes no sense, and so and I don't think that you know. U.S. soccer, it wasn't like malicious, but when they wrote the rule, they wrote it for men, right? Because there was the MLS that was the only pro league that existed. So they obviously wanted to make sure that they were like circumventing men from getting in that didn't have experience, right? So, but they didn't realize that they were like alienating 50% of the demographic, right? By making this rule. Um, So it should have been like case by case basis for sure. But Anyway, and so they, I ended up going back and I got my, my B license um, through U.S. Soccer, which is a whirlwind in comparison to the UEFA B process. Like it was just night and day in the way that they coach and set up their trainings and basically everything that they do. Um, and then um, they actually, so the UEFA A licenses, you have to, they, you have to work with your, with one team for a year and it's a long process. And they hadn't really had something set up because they had to come visit your club. Like no one's going to fly to San Francisco to watch me like do my licenses, but they came up with like this international a, which was really cool. So I ended up, um, they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we're doing this a license. Like we'd love you to, you know, apply and and do this. And at that point I kind of just felt like I was going to finish with the B, but then I felt pressure again. And I was like, okay, like I learned so much. It was the best thing I've ever done literally. And so I obviously applied, I got in and just spent the past year and a half doing this UAFA license and it was so difficult and 
so rewarding and ridiculous. Um, but you introduce yourself as Tracy from California. Which is I didn't the second time. I was like, people know me. Oh. I don't have to say that. Like, like <laughs> this is like totally. My name is Tracy from like yeah. California. Exactly. I coach soccer. Oh my god! And I love Clueless. <laughs> I love Clueless. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> mean, mean Girls also. Um, no, he it asked was me what date it was. <laughs> it was Wednesday. Um, yeah, no, uh, it was it was great. I just from not just the the soccer piece and like learning like the tac- like more tactical information and just the way that they basically the way that they do everything um putting myself in an environment that was like so terrifying and uncomfortable and and validating at the same time um it just gave me like so much confidence moving forward. Not that I'm someone that struggles with confidence clearly, but like I Not at all. definitely, no. So I definitely need it. Like, but, but I felt like I came back and I remember coming back from both of my experiences of contacts or all three of them. And my assistant coaches, like every time I'd start like running a new session, they're like, can you just like go for like five years? Like every time you come back, like mine's one. I'm like, I know it's amazing. Like everyone should go do this. It's so cool. You're um, only good when you go across the sea. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was, it was fantastic. But, um, basically what happened, this woman found out that I was doing the UFA license and she made a movie about me doing it and filmed me, which made it even scarier. Nick, have you ever done anything where someone's like, Hey, I want to make a movie about this. Um, I can barely get people to like film me doing Snapchat. So, <laughs> so uh, one thing I want to know is you were talking about, you know, that first experience with UEFA licensing and, you know, walking in, you see Peter Crouch's name and, and you're starting to get nervous. At what point in that course where your coaching just, just comes out and you, you hit not, maybe not a comfort level, but you were just like, all right, like I'm in, they're seeing what I can do. Um, like I've got this the rest of the way. Like, was there a specific session or maybe a topic or, or a, a lecture that you were in where you were like, okay, like they're going to see who I really am. Think when- I think when we actually first started designing, because we had to run three separate sessions while we were there, and because it was a pro player course, a lot of the players were still current EPL players, or they were still they hadn't really had any coaching experience. I mean, there was definitely coaches that you know had were former pro players, but they were you know starting their their badges and trying to you know they're at the end of their careers or whatever it was. And when we were designing sessions. I was like, oh, I got like, this is what I do, right? So I'm over here designing stuff. And I think a lot of the guys were like, oh, like, well, then like, what would you do for this? And I was like, oh, like, well, <laughs> are you this asking is what me? I, yeah. So I'm like, this is California what I would do. California from America? I know, right? And so, yeah, I think I just kind of realized like, well, they're not, and this is something that I always tell women when they like, how did you get the confidence to do this? I'm like, they're not teaching the class. Like they are in the class with you. So they're at the same level and they might have different, everyone has different experiences. You're always going to bring something unique and exciting and, and different into every situation. And like, I always think even if you can walk away with one piece of information that makes you better that day, like so valuable, you know? And so it was great because it was different in, and I don't want to like compare it to the United States, but everyone, and I say this with respect for U.S. soccer, but it was, it was like everyone was there to get an education. U.S. soccer is like you're there to get the license. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a very different vibe. Like peop, there was no like ego. It's not like a pissing contest. Like, oh, I did this. I played terror. And you that did, was you very know, European of you to say. 
right? So try to sneak that in. Um, and so, it, and it felt, it felt very different and inviting and approachable and, you know, everyone wanted to be like very good at what they were doing. So they weren't, you know, well, I don't know why she's talking, you know, but it was, it was good. It felt, it felt inviting for the most part, obviously in the film, you see the not so great parts, but you know, that's kind of par for the course. And, um, you know, I, I think once I started to actually coach, then I got confident. I was like, I deserve to be here. Like, I actually know what I'm doing. And watching, to be fair, watching other people coach, I was like, oh, shit, I know I'm better than that. So we're, we're okay. I'm not the worst one here. I might not be the best one. I've, okay. observed, I've observed the field, and no, I'm not the worst person. I, I think you speak a lot to, unfortunately, and I, and I, I talk with this uh, with a few coaches all the time. I think, unfortunately, in coaching, people put out a big ego to – cover their deficiencies they're like oh like i played here i'm doing this oh we have this many recruits and they're da they're all this and so i think it's one of those things where people put all that stuff out there when they get a coaching license because they want validation for their right to be there and it doesn't it, it often doesn't correlate with how good they actually are i agree absolutely and, and that that's normal i mean that's it's fair, but it's also can be when you don't have that, you don't have that same outside uh, mindset or that same outlook. It can be really intimidating, right? Cause you're like, Oh, yes. well, I don't have those things, but like really it's just them deflecting their own deficiencies. Like you said, or deflecting, you know, something that they may not know. There's a reason why people get big old pickup trucks. <laughs> that <Yeah>. is fair. <laughs> no, but well, and I even, I mean, even for me personally, I struggle with it with recruiting sometimes. Did you see, I mean, the way we portray things on social media is always vastly different than what reality is for the most part. And I'll be like, Oh man, they're posting all these commits and things like that. And I'd be like, just right. at me, Nick, no, I'm not just you. at me, man. Sean, this is specifically Nick, related Nick is live person subtweeting right now, <laughs> but no, it's one of those things where I got to have to remind myself. It's like, at the end of the day, you're, you, you're doing your job and you're having success in your, in your own realm and things like that. And it's, it's something that's important to not get too caught up in because again, you'll get the opportunity at one point or the other to, like you said, run a session, improve yourself or play another team, improve yourself throughout that stuff. Absolutely. And for me, it was, it was scary because there was so much I didn't know. And that became like very clear, but that's why I was there, you know? And like you would, I wouldn't be at that course if I didn't, want to know information. And so the more questions I asked, like no one was look, every time I asked a question, it wasn't like, Oh, she doesn't know. It was like people, you, when you ask questions, you're probably asking a question that everybody else wants to know too, you know, but they're too scared to ask. Cause then it shows like, Oh, you don't know something. And I was like, Oh, no one knows me here. Like, right. Yeah. I got lots of questions, you know? So it, it was, it was fantastic. I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, honestly. And I've been like president of the Welsh FA fan club. I I've been pushing so many coaches to go there and connecting people. Cause if everyone, if every soccer coach in our country could have that experience, like just the level of talent and development of players and the way that we play games would be just so much more fun. Cause it's so much more strategic and so much more based on tactics rather than I don't want to say rather than athleticism. Obviously, that's always going to be a huge piece, but um, it's just a fun game. It's like, it was so much more fun coming back, you know. 
what is Ben, who has been some of your coaching mentors or not even necessarily coaching, maybe your biggest influences, whether coaching or not uh, in your life to get you to this point? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's like cliche, but I would definitely say like my dad or my parents, my dad was a coach of mine. Um, I played and my brothers, like, I, I don't know, like my family environment was like very, very competitive and like everything was a contest. Um, and there was always like, yeah, some sort of competition that we had to do or have. And, um, my dad was, a, I thought like he was my baseball, I played baseball and, and then in softball when they wouldn't let me play baseball, shocker. But, um, and, uh, so you just sounded so upset that you had to play softball. <laughs> I don't know. I crushed. I was like really good at softball. So <laughs> hum, the humble brags. I love yeah. the way it's like real subtle when you throw it in there. It's fine. You know, I was going to be a two sport college player, but then just pick soccer. So that's fine. But anyway, um, Do you hit dingers. Like now we got to know, like, exp- yeah, I could crush. Okay. But I was more, okay. I, I bat. I batted second. So I was more like bunt, bunt and run. Oh, you, know, like you, ever, a slap. Like, you talked earlier about questioning coaches decisions. Were you ever like, yo, I'm not the slapper. No, I was really fast. So it was like, if the ball bounced twice, I was on first, you know? So I bunt for a base hit. Like that's hard to do, but pretty consistent. So now instead of having the soccer chat adult league, uh, 11 <laughs> aside team, now we need to figure out other sports. And if we play a softball game, uh, Tracy is playing on the team. Got it. Absolutely. You got golf, Sean. You're, you're, the, you're the golf person. I, I'm good at volleyball, so I can do that one. Fantastic. Got a got a wicked three point shot in basketball too. Don't got me out, but I'm also really short. I imagine you're taller than me, Tracy. How tall are you? Five five. Okay, so I'm taller than you. I'm really good. So, I'm no, it I'm don't matter. Good. Nick will still believe that you're taller than him until he actually sees you in person. <laughs> you for two like years. For two years, all I heard from him was, "You're like the mountain, dude. You've got to be Doesn't huge." And the first time, big? the first time we ever met, he was like, "You're shorter than I am." I was like, thanks. No. You're like, nice to meet you too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, but I would say like, yeah, my, my parents, my dad, and um, especially, I just thought he's like really good at balancing, like work hard, play hard. And that's something that I certainly have like taken with me. But um, I would say my assistant coach when I was at Cal, uh, Jennifer Thomas, JT Thomas, uh, one of Leslie's best friends, ladies from the 80s. She was an alum. Um, Hashtag ladies from the 80s. I'm going to start using yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just so so intense but found a way to make it so fun um and engaging and she played and coached with so much passion and it never felt like a job it really felt like the best part of her day was being with us and that's something that I certainly try to bring and it's not forced it's very authentic like honestly the best part of my day is being on the field with my team but um I'd never really played for a coach that just like loved I think me as a person and loved me as a player. And that made me want to try so much harder for her, you know, and for the program and was so bought into what Cal was. And it just, it made, I really did feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. And that's obviously like a goal of coaches is like, you're part of, you know, the sum. And so um, JT was a huge influence, like Leslie Gallimore for sure. Just like lighted, you know, I always just like looked up to her getting into coaching and she was kind of like the shining light, you know, I was like, I want to be Leslie Gallimore, um, you know, one day and have her. We all do. Yeah. She's just like such a boss, you know, me growing my hair out is the closest thing I'll ever get to being (laughs) Leslie Gallimore. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. 
how am I ever going to be her? I'm going to keep trying. I just don't ever leave her alone. I'm like, hi, Les. Um, <laughs> she's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else? I think from like, this sounds weird. Cause again, I like, I bring in a lot of other sports. Like when I coach, um, I love soccer, obviously in the X's and O's, but I get a lot of, um, I think like ideas and concepts and uh, from other sports um, yeah. and like passion, like Jerry Rice is one of my all time favorite athletes ever. Um, no bias whatsoever there. Why? Because he's from the Bay. Maybe. Well, yeah, I love Jerry okay. Rice. Like, who doesn't love Jerry Rice? Come on. He's a good um, dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I just, I, I don't know. I try to like take a very holistic approach to my coaching style. And I think it's important to look into other coaches and how, why they've had success or other athletes outside of my sport. Um, Cause obviously there's a lot of trends that translate sport to sport. Yeah. Um, I find myself like watching and maybe this is my issue why I suck, but like <laughs> I find myself really watching, like I love watching coaches from other sports. Mm-hmm. Like I love going to their practices and watching how they do things. I love one of my favorite things is like recruiting is like my number one thing I love doing. And I love listening to like college basketball, like top recruiters and college football, top recruiters. And I find myself more wanting to learn from them and actually learning more from them than actual people in my sport. And maybe that's the problem why I'm not good at coaching soccer. No, I think that's like so valuable though. And I've definitely, even like during COVID and during this like super weird time, like, you know, like read more books from people from other sports or try to just like listen to different podcasts. And like, it's been nice. Like I have um, a, a boyfriend and he coaches basketball. What? Um, what? I know. Okay. Um, he coach- Give us the tea. <laughs> Give us the tea, Tracy. I know, right? He's amazing. Um, How tall coaches- is he? He is six one. <laughs> okay, so he's like a shooting guard. Yeah, he is. He's a point guard in college. Yeah. Where do you um, play at? Santa Barbara. Okay. Respect. But go on. We didn't mean to interrupt. Talk about your. The, the, the college basketball <laughs> guru guy in, inside of me right now is like going through Santa Barbara's roster. Okay, good. Do it. Um. Anyway, he listens to like all these different podcasts and you know, I, I get to hear him on the phone with recruits too. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got to add that into my repertoire. Oh, that was a good line. You know? So yeah. it's like very <laughs> valuable hearing other coaches like work at their craft. And like I said, like if you can even take like one thing a day or one thing like from one clinic that someone says, or like you watch someone's training session, you're like, that's fantastic. Like it's just, it's just like one small thing that can change, you know, your perspective or like a coaching point. Like I heard someone say, um, I forget who did it. It was, in, it was in Wales at my session. And I actually think it was Mikel Arteta was running a session. Like, oh, cool. Let me just go watch him run a practice. Anyway, he was, what, um, a, name, he, what a humble name drop that was. Oh, he Holy was, it cow. was like, it was ridiculous. It was like, Pep oh, Lingers somebody ran and, it. I don't know. Oh, who was, I don't know who it was. Oh uh, yeah. Mikel Arteta. Uh, just, it was wild. Anyway, yeah, he was fantastic. But so he, he was, tra- he was trying to teach one of the players, um, to receive the ball side on. And he was working with, you know, 12 year old boys. Um, and he, the kid just like kept turning his back and like, you know, to goal. And he was like, no, like I need you to see the field. And he couldn't like describe it, um, well enough for the kid to understand. So finally he's like, every time you receive the ball, I want you to see three flags. 
And so the visual of the field, if you have to receive the ball side on and you're, you're playing the six and you're moving, you know, to receive the ball from an outside back, like you have to position your body so that you can see three of the flags. So that was like a very clear visual for that player. Oh, like, well, that's, that's what he means. If I turn and face you, I can only see the two flags. If I receive side on, then I can see three flags, you know? And for me, I was like, God, that's like so brilliant, you know? And it's just like such a simple thing. And that was like my one takeaway from the day. I'm like, what a great way to explain that. You know? I also love, no one can see video right now, but she was actually <laughs> doing all the things with her hands to show, to show, to show what exactly she was talking about. The, the visual was great. You, you definitely explained it very, very well with your hands also. Okay. <laughs> Do you find anyway. yourself, because like, you were mentioned about, you know, boyfriends, college basketball guy. Um, like I find myself like when it comes to recruiting, um, I look at stuff that college football and college basketball does and things they send their recruits. I'm always like, why, why aren't we sending that to soccer kids? Like, you know, it, it, like it's, it's cool for football and basketball. And so that's been my, like, probably the last like eight years is like, I'm seeing what these top programs are sending to their recruits. I'm like, okay, like soccer can do that too. And you mean like always, stats and stuff or no, like we're going to like, like super cool, like stuff that the kids can just get on their phone, like a picture or a video or something. Like, yes. They're very good at that. I agree. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I just, I remember one day just being like, okay, like I want that to happen in soccer. So I just really got to town on Photoshop and, and uh premiere pro and stuff like that. And actually finally putting my degree to use <laughs> and uh, was like, okay, like I think we can make this work. And, that's kind of like the, been the big thing at the last couple of schools I've been at is like most of our recruits are like, I felt like I was getting the same stuff that the basketball players in my school was getting. Mm-hmm. And like, so now like my thing is um, I'm not known for coaching. Everybody knows me as like the recruiting guy or like the graphics guy. So like other coaches now are like, okay, Hey, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. then it's like, so now it's like, I'm trying to see if we can create this, this big thing. So like you mentioned like learning recruiting stuff, um, you know, what was, what is one thing that like you picked up from another sports coach that was like invaluable and you were like, how did I not know this? How did I not learn this at any clinic that I've been to or coaching seminar or things like that? Hmm. Well, I think from a recruiting standpoint, what you actually just said is like graphics, like the use of graphics, you know, and that's just like such a simple tool. I'll send you but- some samples. Yeah, please. Like they're, I mean, that like, but like everything is so visual now, right? Yeah. And you instant. And it's like, oh, they can look at something as opposed to like me explain it. Like they don't want to hear it. Like it's way more like it's like they sit with it and they can look at it, like relook yeah. at it, you know? So I, I think, yeah, graphics is really important. Um, I'm trying to think, um, and I don't, I don't know if this is like something like recent of mine, because I definitely started kind of using this, this motto a few years ago, but um, when you, I don't want to say like a simple, like a tagline that like you take with you that kind of explains your values without having to like go into depth what those values are. It's like an easily explainable, explainable slogan or motto. And one of my favorite coaches that I just think is one of the most fantastic individuals, but also obviously very successful is um, Jack Clark. And he is the rugby coach at Cal and he's won like 22 national championships or something. He's been there forever but their motto is grateful for everything entitled to nothing. And it's so self-explanatory and it, you can, anything that happens on the field. Yeah. Anything that happens on the field can always be related back to that, that slogan, like, you know, or anything that happens off the field or, and I think that that was something that 
I, I was surprised that in my entire career as an athlete, I can't remember any program or team I played for that we ever had something like that, you know? Um, and it's just something that's simple because every single person that's part of that program for the past 30 years knows that that's what Cal rugby is, you know, and it, it's just something that sticks with you and it's, it, it explains things. And so that was, that was something that I was like, gosh, like you have to come up with something that's authentically yours that you can actually, that you actually believe in. Don't just like pick a random quote and be like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like you actually have to walk the walk or like believe in that yourself or hold yourself to that same standard. Cause if that's what you're going to carry with you program to program, or that's going to, that's who you are going to embody. Um, I thought that that was probably one of the most powerful like takeaways is like come up with something that is, you know, that's yours. That's genuinely yours um, that you actually embody and carry with you and emulate on a daily basis. It's the dopest moment in your coaching career. Oh man. Telling our team they're going to win national title the very first day. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> what if that know. would have happened though? Oh like you could, if that happened one time, you could literally say that the rest of your career and like, it would be like, yeah. Hey, there's a chance. You could do it, you know? I think I'm going to start doing that now. Yeah, just go for it. Whatever. Um, was it shoot for the moon, land amongst the stars? You're right. You know? Um, the dopest moment in my college or my college coaching career or just coaching Or just career? coaching in general? I don't You know, I would say probably at San Francisco State, um, Probably making making playoffs for the first time, uh, the the conference playoff was they hadn't made it in like twenty years, and you know it was I'd kind of been like promising like these new recruits had come in because this was a you know I think this was my my last year there, and it was something that like Division One I'm like you're gonna be part of something great you know and then like their first year there we were they were not part of something great <laughs> you know. And then I'm like, no, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, <laughs> you know, and then to, to have them have that success, um, was like definitely like the best feeling. Cause like they believed in me, you know, and that's why they came. And then it like, it actually worked out for them. So I was like, Oh good. I didn't let you down, <laughs> you know, and like, you don't let yourself down. And like, it was just, it was so, I, I just like, you know, like the dog pile and all the things like, it's just like, that's, that's probably. And there's like obviously some big wins that are super exciting, you know, single like one game, one offs, but that was probably the best thing is like when you get into like a playoff situation, because you know that all the work that you put in, maybe not just months prior, but years leading up to it, you know, are paying off. And I always think of like the most dope moment is like the one where whether a player brings it up or you just randomly think about it, like you can't help but like not just smile, but you have to talk about it. Like even though you just think to, to yourself, and the person who's next to you has no clue like what you're thinking about that you just instantly just start talking about that moment with them. Like for me, like that's the qualification of the dopest moment. Sure. That's fair. What do you want your footprint to be in the coaching world by the time you're done with all this stuff? That was heavy. I know. It's a heavy Gosh. question. I'm getting better at this. I've been watching a lot of that. Uh, what's the, what's the show? Uh, with like the guy who interviews people while they're eating hot wings, he asks incredible questions. Oh, hot ones. Hot ones. 
Have Sean you ever seen Evans. that crazy? I have not, but you, hold on. You've never God. seen Hot Ones? I'm intrigued. It's like oh. the number one show on YouTube. Sean, the interviewer, is also named Sean, so I'm not saying Sean here. Like, is the guy? That, I don't even answer to Sean, so it's whatever. Um, but so he interviews like all sorts of celebrities, but as they they have to eat increasingly hotter wings as they're going through. So not only are they getting asked like really, and he's incredible with his research, but then they like are getting really philosophical and difficult questions as their mouth is just on fire. I highly suggest the Justin Timberlake one. Okay, good to know. Gordon Ramsay was my favorite so far because he just kept saying like, F you to the guy. He's <laughs> like, screw you with this next wing. <laughs> I love it. Justin Timberlake the whole time was like, why, like, why do we do this? Why, why do people do this? And he's like looking around. He's like, somebody, to, like, is there like a corner here in case somebody dies? Like, someone's going to die from this. And like, yeah, at some point. Oh. Well, I have not seen that, but it's not like I don't have any time hey. nowadays. So, yeah, uh, that's the list. Um, I think my footprint, obviously, like I always want my players to just have like the best experience possible. But I think for me, um, I've definitely taken on a new, I don't want to say like a new passion. Like I've always been like someone that wants to empower women. Um, you know, on and off the field to, you know, know that it's okay to have success and ask questions and be confident and, you know, be passionate about what they're doing and ask questions and all of that. But um, I certainly want to push women to stay in the game. Uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not really one of those women that's like, oh, women need, you know, let's put unqualified women in, you know, positions where they're going to fail. Like, I think that we need to find a way to, um, put women in the right situation where they can grow at the right pace and have success and get confident. So as they move up the chain or they move, you know, through navigate coaching that they actually want to stay in it. And it's something that they enjoy. Um, but that's certainly something that I, I feel like I want to make sure that I continue to support um, is just reaching back and helping other women um, continue to advance in the space. Uh, and be as sort of supportive as I can, but also provide opportunities and mentor. And um, that's probably more important um, than anything to me is just trying to help women have success. If you could describe your coaching philosophy with a song, what song would you choose to describe your coaching philosophy? <laughs> this is the only good question I've ever asked on, in the show. It's like the one good one I've got. I don't know why. And this is like makes zero sense. And this is not my answer. Which is even better. But the first song that came into my head was Another One Bites the Dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how it correlates into coaching philosophy, but I'm kind of intrigued now. I. If you can eventually loop that back into how your coaching philosophy ties to that, it'll be great. I mean, I'm going to connect it. I think I, I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> we expected that's, essay, that was classic. We expect an so, essay to be, uh, emailed both me and Sean by the end of the week. That'll be, uh, uh, like just making sure that you got all your ducks in a row. On the hey, gosh. are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? 
out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the sound of the beat. How do you think I'm going to get along without you when you're gone? You took me for everything that I had and kicked me out on my own. Are you happy? Are you satisfied? How long can you stand the heat? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the sound of the beat. Are you going to give us the whole song, Sean? No, but like it's, it, those were the first words I just saw, like pulling up the lyrics. And so like, you know, how do you think I'm going to get along without you when you're gone? So like U.S. soccer wouldn't hook her up. So she had to, you know, skedaddle, go across over to Europe and like, yo, like, look, look what, look, now y'all gonna move me to the B. Like <laughs> what, what's, what's, what, you know, I'm, I think it, I think it actually, it actually works. sort of fits. I, I and to be fair, works. like. Even as like a coach, my coaching philosophy, the way that I handle things like with my players, like I'm, I'm super like, obviously like bubbly and fun off the field and approachable and all those things, but I'm also I can't tell like a all. psycho. Like I'm like definitely <laughs> intense. Like I am like very, very competitive. I have very, very high expectations, very high standards. But I also think that, um, like I don't ask them to do things that I'm not willing to do myself and I don't ask them to do things that I don't value. Um, and I mean, I think it's hard because I haven't really been somewhere long enough um, at this point to like really like hone in on like what my coaching philosophy is. But I certainly know that having taken over three programs in the past, I guess like 10 years now, is if you're not part of the plan and you're not willing to do the things that I need you to do to have success and you're not willing to put in the time and the effort to make people around you better and more successful, then like, this isn't the right spot for you. And I don't have a problem saying that. And I'm certainly someone that gives people time. Um, and I'm, you know, very patient in a lot of ways, but there's, you know, if you don't have effort or attitude, then you're out. So maybe you've been hella patient with Nick and I, (laughs) that's like the, the hella drop. So NorCal of you. Right, right. (laughs) I went to California for the first time last year, and all of a sudden it's like, I am California. You are. You actually look look very Bay Area. Oh, okay. I'll take that. You got a little little hipster swag. Okay. Oh, that's just just Corona hair. That's that's not been cut yet, and my wife makes me pull it back because she doesn't like the the curly afro that I have. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know. Her, I mean, I guess it was a loss, but now it's like I've gotten a lot of chatter about the pulled back hair, so I'm I'm in on it. But um, you know, I, I for us, it's, it's it's so cool having you on and and being able to explain your story. And and I think the thing with soccer chat is, you know, we've built this this community, this family of coaches of every level um, all around the world, and we just love getting people connected. You know, is there a way that um, you know, like your Twitter or whatever it may be that uh, somebody who's listening to this can, can connect with you and maybe talk Bay Area hip hop or Mean Girls uh, <laughs> quotes or, you know, uh, whatever fun stuff they may come up with. Uh, you know, how, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, Twitter, Twitter and Insta are easy. Tracy Ham 10 is the handle for both. Look at you dropping um, the Insta. Insta, the gram. Do it for the gram. Yeah. You uh. know, Um yeah, you can just always send me a message through one of those and I'm happy to help in any way I can answer questions and definitely encourage um, young coaches to reach out, not just women, but if men have questions about anything, um, happy to help. Y'all gotta go check it out at Tracy Hampton. Two M's. She's so ham. She goes so ham that there's two M's. How many people have called you Tracy Goham? Um, not many. 
Well, gets ready. But uh, I definitely get like Hammer. That's definitely a soccer nickname. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, like we said, go follow at Tracy Ham 2Ms10. I'm hitting the follow button right now. So since I did it, everybody else can do it. Tracy, the homie, thank you so much for coming on with us, girl. Of course. I feel, I feel like we know you for like the last like eight years. <laughs> Absolutely. Next time I'll definitely join in the, the drag karaoke. Yes. yes. <laughs> the drag karaoke. Oh, what it was an interesting night to say the least. <gasps> Best night of my life. I'm bummed I missed it. Nick got educated about Hamilton that night. It was the best I night did. of his it life. It was my oh, first good. exposure to Hamilton. Sean saying you'll be back for karaoke. And it was funny because, like, Sean posted at one point a, a question, who sang the karaoke song, me or Sean? And, like, people had to vote, like, who it was. And I feel like everyone voted me for Hamilton and you for Big Papa. No, everybody voted you for all the hip-hop stuff. That's I, like, there was only, like, two of mine that, like, people actually got correct. Mm. and um which was kind of upsetting because like you know like i i have an a uh, i about said ecleptic and not know what that really meant um i have a very vague um array of songs that i can do and i feel I, like we both do because my three that night were well when you go from notorious big to avril Lavigne, that's it's quite complicated. it is a great song <laughs> <laughs> We were the whole time, the whole time I'm like, I'm going to film this and send it to Kelly. She's got to know. <laughs> this needs to know before the wedding happens. <laughs> My goodness. She's Crazy. got the ring on her finger. She's locked in. Like she. <laughs> you still got to say the magic words, my friend. I know. Unfortunately, there is still a chance I screw this up before then. I don't know. I, I can't lose this one. Oh, man. Tracy, thank you so much for coming. As we start babbling on, this is the most professional, unprofessional podcast you've ever been on. But thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Absolutely. This is so fun. I, I didn't really know what to expect. So this is perfect. This is great. It's exactly what it may have been told to you it was. <laughs> or more. It's, it was perfect, guys. It's it's highly recommended. Awesome. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Tracy. No problem, guys. Have a good one.